What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. Today, we are going to be talking about free speech, the Twitter file drops, and I'm going to go over a DARPA document that I'm pretty sure I've told you guys about previously, but no time like the current to have a little refresher course in government fuckery. So sit back and get ready for this. I'm going to start today's episode off with a quote from Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black, who was proclaiming that the importance of the First Amendment and a free media was essential to the American Constitution. He said, quote, the founding fathers gave the free press the protection it must have to fulfill its essential role in our democracy. The press was to serve the governed, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government. Only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in the government. Well, wow, how far we have come. And Justice Hugo Black stated that in 1971 regarding a trial, which was the New York Times Company versus the United States. The U.S. was trying to censor a report on the Pentagon Papers. Now, if you don't know what the Pentagon Papers are, they were a classified government history of the Vietnam War, which Daniel Ellsberg, a Rand Corporation analyst, leaked to the New York Times and Washington Post in 1971. Now, this all ties into what we're going to be talking about today. There was a Twitter drop, and it just shows the collusion between the government trying to censor anything that went against their narrative. And that goes for the Trump administration as well as the Biden administration. They literally tried to censor doctors and scientists and experts and anybody with any amount of reach. And this happened across almost all social media platforms. We have the receipts now, and we can see exactly what subjects and how each administration wanted Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We can see specifically what they wanted censored and how these companies responded to it. If this doesn't just fucking like scare everyone that Our government can just send an email out to social media platforms that are huge and have hundreds of millions of users. It should fucking terrify you because if this is happening on social media, you'll have to then like relay that to what's happening in the mainstream media, which is it's completely controlled by the government, the deep state, these fucking pieces of shit, megalomaniacs, whatever you want to call it. It's all being censored. And I know I've been screaming about this for fucking years. I was one of the first accounts on Instagram to get banned during the Great Purge, all because I was citing studies that were showing masks don't work and for posting direct screenshots from the CDC's website. And I was not the only person that was banned and censored back then. And, you know, I'm just some nobody asshole from Oakland. I'm not a fucking scientist. I don't work at Harvard. And people that are scientists that do work at Harvard, that are medical doctors. They were being censored by twats in the Philippines that have no medical background and have no business censoring any type of discourse with the medical community, answering legitimate questions from their users and followers. So we're going to get into some of these documents that were released 
And we're going to break it down because it's a bunch of fucking bullshit. And if we know about this, imagine what we don't know about. Because I guarantee you, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Before we get into the specific memos and emails regarding the censorship, we're just going to talk about how during the last few weeks since Elon Musk took over Twitter, it's absolutely been confirmed that FBI agents, DHS, NSA, etc., were all employed at high levels of different social media companies. So let's talk about Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard and the ex-Fed boys he employed real quick. Now check this out, you guys. 17 CIA officials, 37 FBI, 23 NSA, and 38 DHS. All but a few of the former intelligence agents were hired by Facebook after the 2016 presidential election and after the FBI established their social media-focused task force. After the whole uh, Twitter files drop, we know there was a massive coordination of censorship between the FBI and Twitter during 2020 and 2022. And that led this user on Twitter, at name redacted 247, to want to look into, I guess, who was censoring Facebook's quote-unquote misinformation. They actually published a list which they obtained through publicly available LinkedIn profiles of former CIA, FBI, NSA, and DHS employees that are now working at Facebook. At least 10 of them work in the trust and safety, which is basically just the misinformation department. One of the names on the list is a guy named Aaron Berman, who worked for the CIA for 17 years. If you go to Twitter, Aaron Berman is followed by Yoel Roth, the fucking pedophile, and admits he is friends with trust and safety people at Twitter. Aaron actually made posts on Twitter where he admits to quote-unquote tackling misinformation, and usually regarding COVID-19. One of his posts actually says, Check out Facebook's responses to the at Oversight Board recommendations. On COVID-19 misinformation, we are increasing transparency as recommended and will continue looking to health authorities to tell us what misinformation is likely to contribute to imminent physical harm. Now, that's a kind of ironic considering today I saw a tweet by Dr. Pierre McCullough, who found out, thanks to the Twitter file dumps, that he was specifically being targeted and shadow banned on Twitter because he spoke out against the CDC and the FDA's narrative about COVID-19 and the Kabobo jabs. Aaron goes into a little bit of detail about the way they partner with more than 80 independent fact-checking organizations globally to review and rate content. He included content about climate change. He wrote in one tweet, When they rate content as false, we reduce its distribution so fewer people see it, and we show a warning label with more context. We apply penalties to people who repeatedly share false information. Which is kind of ironic, considering I got put in Instagram jail for 90 days yesterday. I got a message stating, according to independent fact checkers or our community guidelines, your account has repeatedly posted false information. Restrictions will apply to your account for up to 90 days. Now, of course, these uh, fact checkers are all paid off motherfuckers. I've gone into that billions of times, but... All kinds of different organizations fund these fact checkers from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to the World Economic Forum and Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard. And that's just to name a few. Now they go on to put a little bit more detail into the account restrictions 
And one of them says, for example, other Instagram users may not be able to tag or mention an account that has repeatedly shared false information. Yeah, that <laughs> that no, no bad girl has been on my account for hella days. But basically what they've done is they've lowered my reach so I cannot reach people that are not already followers. And even the people that are my followers, it only goes out to about a quarter of my followers. And this is just one of the tactics that Instagram slash Facebook slash Twitter, they all use tactics like this. They have algorithms making it so your posts don't get out. They have bots just automatically checking posts. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to go into deep detail. And a lot of this information is coming out due to the Twitter drops. So let's get back to the free speech assault. A user on Twitter by the name of at David Zewig, and that's Z-W-E-I-G, he goes into some detail. His first tweet about this whole thing, which is a long-ass thread, says, quote, the Twitter files, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. He goes on to say they censored info that was true but inconvenient to the U.S. government policy. They also discredited doctors and other experts who disagreed. They suppressed ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's own data. As of now, all the Twitter drops were mostly focusing on Twitter secret blacklists, like uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Robert Malone, all of these guys, all of these experts and doctors were blacklisted. Some of the other documents show how Twitter was the uh, propaganda wing of the FBI and how executives rewrote the platform's rules to accommodate the FBI's own political desires. So what we found in the drops is that the United States government pressured Twitter and other social media platforms to elevate certain content and suppress other content regarding COVID-19. Now, like I was saying earlier, it wasn't just the Biden administration. Trump also got a hold of Twitter and was trying to have them suppress information. So it's kind of different avenues that these two administrations attacked, but make no mistake, they both were attacking free speech. But let's start with Trump. The Trump White House, and specifically Michael Ratzios, led the Trump administration's call for help from tech companies to combat misinformation. Areas of focus included conspiracies around 5G cell towers, runs on grocery stores, and misinformation that could stoke panic buying and behaviors. Make no mistake, you guys, just because it's not like, hey, let's censor people because we're talking about what COVID is, where it came from. It's still censorship. The other tech companies involved in the censorship were Google, Facebook, Microsoft. And I'm sure there's others that just haven't been called out yet. And activities included a standing weekly call to share general trends and hosting a shared Microsoft Teams group. Some of the companies, not specifically Twitter, gathered open-sourced information from researchers. Then, the teams fed the information to the Twitter policy enforcement teams. When Biden came into power, his focus of censorship was a little bit different. One of the first meeting requests from the Biden White House was about COVID misinformation. Per regular process, public policy took the meeting. Biden's staff focused on vaccines and high-profile anti-vaxxer accounts, including Alex Berenson. Now, you may remember Berenson. He was suspended and completely kicked off Twitter. He was the first person to have a successful lawsuit against Twitter or any of the social media platforms to successfully sue and get reinstated. Due to this lawsuit, a lot of documents were subpoenaed by the court 
And with those documents, you can see that the White House was specifically calling on Twitter to suspend Berenson's account. There was a December 2022 summary of the meetings with the White House by Lauren Culberston, Twitter's head of U.S. public policy, and it added new evidence of the White House's pressure campaign and cements it that it repeatedly attempted to directly influence the platform. Now, apparently the Biden team was not satisfied with Twitter's enforcement approach as they wanted Twitter to do more and deplatform several accounts. Because of the dissatisfaction, Twitter was asked to join several other calls. And they were kind of pissy and angry in nature. Also, I just do have to throw this out there. Twitter executives did not fully bow to the wishes of the Biden administration. But having said that, Twitter did suppress views. And like I said earlier, from doctors and scientific experts that conflicted with the official positions of the White House. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded the public debate went missing. I mean, how do you have some fucking layman policing the words and policing the tweets of literal experts in their fields just because it's calling into question different policies the CDC and FDA had going that didn't make scientific sense? An example of this is a tweet by Dr. Martin Koldorf who's an epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School. And because what he tweeted was at odds with the U.S. public health authorities, he was completely demonized. Now check this out. This is the whole tweet. Somebody asks, Dr. Koldorf, do you think younger age groups and or people who already had the virus need to be vaccinated? I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm vaccine hesitant about this one. It seems to be a religious mantra now that everyone must be vaccinated. So Dr. Koldorf responds, no, thinking that everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID vaccines are important for older high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with proper natural infections do not need it, nor children. According to the internal emails from Twitter, they actually had a whole discussion about this guy. This is from the Twitter staff. It says, hi team, send a heads up that we will take action on at Martin Kuldorf, who is a professor of Harvard Medical School, for violating our COVID-19 misinformation policy, specifically by sharing false information regarding the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, which goes against CDC guidelines. Now, I'm not sure what they could have found anything false with that statement. It's scientifically sound, but they were able to censor the fuck out of people like this. So after Twitter took action, Dr. Kuldorf's tweet was slapped with a quote-unquote misleading label. All replies and likes were shut off. And that basically shut down this tweet's ability to be seen by a wider audience. This is not the only person and the only tweet that had this misleading label thrown on it. They basically used it as a weapon to lower the reach of certain accounts, people with a lot of followers or medical experts, etc. People like that. Another example is from at Kelly Kaga, which is KGA, who is a self-proclaimed public health fact checker. She wrote, what an example of excellent cherry picking. If you narrow it down to only the specific months you specify, which include the largest COVID wave seen across the world, and you ignore all non-disease deaths, and you ignore cancer, heart disease, SIDS, then COVID is the leading cause of death. And she was slapped with a misleading label. 
ironically, that tweet by Kelly was a, it was actually a reply to a tweet that contained actual misinformation. And the original tweet just stated, since December of 2021, COVID has been the leading cause of death from disease in children, which we all know is bullshit. Children do not die from COVID unless they have some severe pre-existing condition or they're extremely unhealthy with obesity or something like that. So Kelly is just pointing this out and then she got slapped down by the Twitter bots because that's mostly how this starts is a Twitter bot will recognize something that it's programmed to find in quote unquote COVID misinformation. Then it'll get forwarded to quote unquote humans. Those humans then decide if that tweet needs the misinformation label. Further tweets that had the quote misleading label was from a physician and their at is usebuse, and that's E-U-Z-E-B-I-U-S-Z. Now, this was a physician referring to the results of a published study. Now, the study is just basically a graph, and it shows the first vaccine dose, second, and then talks about cardiac arrest and COVID cases. The actual tweet says below, the first study I've seen showing that mRNA vaccines in young people aged 16 to 39 are associated with cardiac arrest, not just myocarditis. So this doctor is literally pulling from studies and they get the misleading tag. Andrew Bostom, who is a Rhode Island physician, was permanently suspended from Twitter after receiving multiple strikes for misinformation. One of the strikes was for a tweet referring to the results of a peer-reviewed study on mRNA vaccines. The tweet stated, primary COVID-19 BNT 16 2B, that's basically the fucking Pfizer jab, temporarily impairs semen concentration and total motile count among semen donors, with apparent rebound by five months, but no data on boostering effect. Does boostering yield another decline? So he's basically just pointing out that, hey, there's some fertility issues being seen with the vaccine. And that got his ass permanently suspended. Now, Boston's attorney actually contacted Twitter and he found that only one of the five violations were valid. The one Boston tweet found to still be in violation cited data that was legitimate but inconvenient to the public health establishment's narrative about the risk of COVID versus the flu in children. Now, all of this investigation into the internal Twitter docs are great, but we haven't even gotten to the gain-of-function research, Fauci, Echo Health Alliance, and the vaccine damage suppression. Since we're on the subject of Echo Health Alliance and gain-of-function, let me read you a little DARPA document that it's, it's old. It's back from August 21, but not many people know about it. The mainstream media never covered it. Let's just uh, sit back and let let me tell you what DARPA wrote in this report. They stated SARS-CoV-2 is an American-created recumbent bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an Echo Health Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the Echo Health Alliance proposal response to the DARPA preempt program, broad agency announcement. And don't even worry, I've got all that too, so sit back. DARPA goes on to say, the contents of the proposed program are extremely detailed. Peter Daszak lays out the step-by-step what the organization intends to do by phase and by location. The primary scientists involved, their roles, and their institutions are indicated. 
the funding plan for the Wuhan Institute of Virology work is its own document. The reason why non-pharmaceutical interventions like masks and medical countermeasures like mRNA vaccines do not work well can be figured out from the details. The reasons why early treatment protocols work as curatives are apparent. SARS-CoV-2's form as it emerged is likely a precursor, deliberately virulent, humanized recumbent SARS-CoV-2 virus that was to be reverse engineered into a live attenuated bat vaccine. Its nature can be determined from an analysis of its genome with the context provided by the Echo Health Alliance proposal. Joining this analysis with the U.S. intelligence collections on Wuhan will aid in this determination. Now, you'd think something like that, the mainstream media would be like fucking screaming it from the rooftops. I haven't heard one mainstream media outlet talk about it at all. This is after Dr. Andrew Huff, who was involved with Peter Daszak, who worked at Echo Health Alliance, He's actually written a book at this point, but this guy was coming out a year and a half ago calling this Peter Daszak full out for being a CIA asset, for working with DARPA. Just a little side note here, Moderna got its funding from DARPA, and scientists have discovered that Moderna had the genetic sequence to COVID. This was like about a year before, two years before this whole pandemic started in 2020. You don't have to be a crazy conspiracy theorist. You don't even have to be extremely intelligent to be able to connect these dots. Like I was just saying, Fauci has his grubby little hands all wrapped up in the gain of function, in the coronavirus development, possibly even the leak, because I have videos of Peter Daszak talking about how happy the investors will be once the public catches on and realizes they need to be vaccinated. The crazy part, though, is fucking President Brandon decided to give Echo Health Alliance, aka Peter Daszak, grants this year to continue studying these viruses. So it's so fucking dirty. I mean, even if like the mainstream media did lay this out for the NPCs, nothing's gonna happen. COVID is not the first government conspiracy to come out. I mean, just off the top of my head, we can think about the Biden laptop, Ukraine corruption, JFK, inflation, the Whitmere kidnapping, student debt relief, Assange, Snowden, nuclear secrets in Trump's basement, Epstein and Maxwell, the whole fucking pedo island shit that people never got prosecuted for, and all the Twitter files that have come out. And Americans have not changed their world view. And I think everybody knows that not one person in America is going to change their view of the government and their political tribe, no matter what conspiracy and corruption is exposed, because they don't care. They will never fucking wake up and put their foot down and say no more of this. It doesn't matter what is exposed. I mean, some of the fucking JFK documents were released a couple weeks ago, and it clearly points to CIA involvement, and it's fucking crickets from the mainstream media. I know for a fact normies aren't fucking digging into those documents. They don't give a fuck. They care about what's happening on fucking football or basketball or what fucking stupid celebrity bitch is wearing what. They are brainwashed, I'm assuming, or they're just fucking retarded. I'm not sure which it is. Maybe it's a combination of both. But there's maybe 10, 15% of people that actually pay attention and think evidence matters. So that's what we're up against. Fucking what, 80, 90% of the population just not giving a fuck. 
So I don't know. I don't know what the answers are to make these people actually give a fuck. I have no idea. I know it's crazy conspiracy theorists. We can't stop talking about this. We can't just like go away quietly into the night. Literally, the only thing we can do is to keep talking about it and try to push these issues up to the forefront so the NPCs, maybe subconsciously, consciously, I don't know, wake up and understand what's happening to them directly from their government. Moving away from the Twitter drop, check this shit out, guys. The Canadian government is looking to hire social media snoops to analyze Canadians' opinions and conversations on vaccine, and they want him to go back three years. No fucking shit. This uh, job has a publication date of December 22nd of 2022. The closing date for this job is January 10th, 2023. Now, let me just read you a little summary, a description of this job. In preparation for increased vaccination, education, promotion, and outreach, the Public Health Agency of Canada is requiring the services of consultants to analyze the vaccine-related conversations on social media and social media initiatives and campaign performance. Specifically, check this part out. The consultant will analyze vaccine-related conversations and their participants on Twitter and social media channels, including Reddit, blogs, forums, news, spanning up to three years of historical data. That sounds like they're trying to get motherfuckers in place to start, I don't know, social crediting the Canadians that don't buy the bullshit because more and more Canadians are telling Justin Trudeau is a tool to fuck off. They're not buying the bullshit as much as they were. So now the Canadian government is going to go back three years on social media and try to hit me up on some fucking conversations you had thinking, hey, this is a private conversation. This isn't going to be used to deny me a loan to make me lose access to my money. So that's what social credit is all about. They're going to be monitoring conversations you have online and then determining, hey, this person should get a shittier loan or maybe no loan at all, or this person should lose access to their funds because of the way they're talking on social media. The shit is already in place. They're slowly going to implement it. And this whole fucking World War III shit is going to happen with a whimper, not a bang. They're going to slowly start introducing this shit. So the normies won't even notice. They're not going to pay attention. Shit, at this point, I'm sure you could fucking drop some bombs on a city and the normies would forget about it two weeks later with the help of the PSYOP mainstream media brainwashing them to forget. While we're on the subject of Canada, holy fucking shit, you guys. <laughs> Canadian TV News literally put this article out. It states, conspiracy theorists keep getting things right. Experts say that's dangerous. Movements like the Freedom Convoy are fueled by conspiracy theories. And when those theories are correct, it legitimizes them. No fucking shit, Sherlock. Why would conspiracy theories turning out to be right do anything other than legitimize what conspiracy theories have been saying? It's just, I think it's more brainwashing to uh, have the NPCs immediately discount hate or just treat with no respect conspiracy theorists. Because if the mainstream media keeps pumping that bullshit into their head, they're going to buy it up, whether consciously or subconsciously. But yeah, fuck Canadian TV news. You guys are a bunch of tools. Moving on to some really fucked up news. Um, SEAL Team 1 commander was found dead in San Diego. 
At the beginning of last week, the commanding officer of SEAL Team 1, Commander Robert Ramirez III, was found dead in his San Diego County residence on the 19th. Navy officials are saying foul play is not suspected. But, you know, if this guy was still in the Navy at this point, he had the job. So, of course, that's immediately where my mind is going to go to. I mean, I don't have any evidence that he died of a heart attack or a stroke directly related to the vaccine. But I definitely suspect that. And while we're talking about untimely deaths, Stephen Bonner. Now, this dude was a badass UFC fighter. And he was like, I think he was like one of the first contestants from the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And he had a badass fight with Forrest Griffin. And Forrest Griffin technically won, but because they were just fucking so hardcore and going at it, Dana White ended up giving them both a contract. But he was found dead, 45 years old, and they're stating it's complications from a presumed heart issue. Now, I don't know if he was vaccinated. I don't know his status. But literally every time I keep reading about people dropping dead suddenly, it's the first place my mind goes. Going back to the Twitter bullshit for a second, I found this article at the Libertarian Institute and is talking about how Twitter gave boost to the Pentagon PSYOP accounts. So basically what they're saying is Twitter placed dozens of accounts created by U.S. Central Command on a, quote, whitelist for preferential treatment, according to internal company documents obtained by journalist Li Fang. The eighth edition of the Twitter files exposed the site's involvement in propaganda operations run by the Pentagon. And this should shock absolutely no one. CENTCOM sent an email to Twitter in 2017 requesting special privileges for 52 Arabic language accounts. It said would be used to, quote, amplify certain messages. And Twitter quickly agreed and placed these accounts on a whitelist, which basically, according to Fang, essentially provides a verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they're exempt from spam, abuse flags, they're more visible and likely to trend on hashtags. Many of the profiles did not disclose their relationship with the Pentagon, and some of them remain active as of right now. CENTCOM used the SOC accounts to promote U.S. policy goals or boost the message of American allies, with some posting about the war in Yemen and pushing criticisms of Iran. Another handle was seen asserting that, quote, accurate U.S. drone strikes only kill terrorists. Fang pointed out that the accounts were in violation of Twitter's own policies, as company executives had previously told lawmakers that they would rapidly identify and shut down all state-backed covert information operations and deceptive propaganda, which we all know is bullshit because they helped these motherfuckers out the entire way. So I've been talking about these Twitter dumps for hella weeks at this point, um, previously, I was talking about how Matt Tabibi explained how the company effectively came to operate as a subsidiary of the FBI. And then Michael Schellenberger showed that, that the Bureau leveraged its influence to censor content and gain more access to Twitter data with no fucking warrants. So I don't know if you guys haven't been paying attention to the Twitter dumps. I get it because who fucking cares? But you should care because these motherfuckers are making a concerted effort to stifle free speech, to stifle the First Amendment to our Constitution. And I'm just like surprised that not more people are fucking angry about this. And I'm still shocked to the fucking core. Some people think that free speech is dangerous and words are weapons of wars, as the fucking golem of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, like to say. What's with that bitch's face? 
Is she fucking on crack? I don't know. She looks like she's been fucking doing lines of coke, smoking crack. And I don't know. I was actually kind of thinking maybe it's because she sold her soul to the globalists. But who knows? But seriously, go check out older pictures of Jacinda Arden. And she's like a normal. She's a pretty girl or whatever. And then just like fast forward through the years and suddenly something very drastic happens to this chick's face. I actually thought she was like a tranny for a while. I mean, I'm not 100% sure either way because (laughs) there's a video of her walking and this dress. I swear to God, it looks like a big ass dick, but who knows what it was. But fuck Jacinda Arden. Now, moving on to scientists experimenting on their own fellow citizens, The University of California had to apologize for experimenting on inmates, injecting them with literal pesticides, and that happened in the 60s and the 70s. So starting in the 60s, Dr. Howard Maybach and Dr. William Epstein, two dermatologists at the University of California, San Francisco, conducted experiments on at least 2,600 inmates at the California Medical Facility, a prison hospital which is located 50 miles northeast of San Francisco. That makes me think it's the Vacaville Center, but who fucking knows? So the experiments involved injecting pesticides and herbicides into the men's veins. Concerns have been raised over the mental state of some of these inmates and whether or not they were actually able to give informed consent. But as we've all seen recently, doctors don't give a fuck about informed consent. They care about money and they care about towing the line. And that's like 90% of you motherfuckers. The research ended up being stopped in 1977 after California prohibited human experiments in state prisons. Well, I would say in the last couple of years, they have been experimenting on prisoners by giving them the COVID vaccination because that shit is straight up still in trial land. So, yeah, this is another story of crazy ass scientists that need a fucking shot collar and a straight jacket. These motherfuckers need to be watched because they might be super smart and they can read books, but they have no wisdom on how and when to apply that knowledge. Fucking ridiculous. Now, total side note, did any of you see that fucking grifter Zelensky addressing the American people and Congress and the Senate talking about, don't think of it as money, think of it as investing in global security. Fucking $45 billion dollars is set aside for Ukraine in the omnibus bill. I'm sorry, 45 billion more for this fuckhead? His wife was just caught spending $45,000 in Paris on a fucking shopping spree for Christmas. It's like, what the actual fuck? These motherfuckers are laundering money. They're still blatantly laundering money. Our tax dollars. And it just keeps happening. And since we're on the subject of Zelensky, I just want everyone to remember back when Zelensky was installed by Soros and the CIA in Ukraine. He hid money in offshore accounts, which was proven without fucking any doubt at this point in the Panama Papers. He's imprisoned his political opposition. He's banned all political opposition, banned all opposition media. He's basically a dictator now. And he fired missiles into Poland and blamed it on Russia to try to get us drawn up in a World War III nuclear holocaust. And I guess apparently everyone has just decided to move on from that fact. But you guys, that could have been so bad if people actually bought the bullshit that Russia was shelling fucking Poland. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, the NPCs are all about supporting Ukraine and throwing our tax money at them. When we have people here, citizens here, taxpayers here, 
that are struggling to pay their bills, struggling to fucking buy food, make their car payment. But let's throw all this money at this fucking grifter in Ukraine. Before we get out of here, I want to leave the show on a lighter note. So I'm going to tell you guys about the federally funded Hamster Fight Club. No fucking shit, I am not making this up. The government has spent over $3 million watching hamsters on steroids fight. Since 1996, the National Institute of Health has annually awarded Northeastern University over $3 million to watch steroid-injected hamsters fight. <laughs> what level clown world did that shit just bring us to? I don't know. I think I've lost count. We were at 1,500 before. That brings us at least to level 2,000 of the clown world. And some good news. The mandate President Brandon put on our military members to have the jab has been revoked. So I'm wondering at this point, are they going to reinstate all of our service members that were dishonorably discharged or other than honorably discharged for refusing to get the jab? Are they going to fucking compensate all the soldiers that were maimed by this vaccine? I doubt it. But I mean, that is a positive thing. I'm, I'm just, it comes a little bit too late. There's hell of service members that have been maimed with fertility issues, heart attacks, you name it, neurologic issues. And since these criminals and big pharma can't be sued, it's like, okay, so that all falls on these families to try to support themselves when, you know, either the main breadwinner or someone who equally helped bring money in is now permanently disabled. What the fuck are they supposed to do? President Brandon can relieve all these student loans, but he can't help out these people that his mandates maimed. So yeah, fuck President Brandon. I know earlier I told you we were going to talk about the Echo Health Alliance, uh, their proposal for DARPA and all that shit, but we kind of ran out of time. So what I'm going to do is I will leave a link to this document that's 75 pages in the show notes. And it's basically just a proposal to DARPA to try to get funding for their insane research. It's a long read, but it's very informative and just kind of paints a picture of how Echo Health and our government were working together to create this shit in China, of all places. Fucking insane. All right, guys, now we're to the point in the podcast where I have to say what's up to our top three downloading states, and they are California, Hawaii, and Illinois. What's up, Hawaii? That's the first time I've seen you guys on the first page. That's what's up. I do appreciate you guys listening. If you have any information I should check out or you want copies of any of the documents I talk about, send me an email at vanishedinthevalley@gmail.com, and I will look into it or I will get those documents out to you. As far as our international peeps, we have the UK, Canada, Australia, and South Africa. What's up, South Africa? That's the first time I've seen you guys on the front page, too. So that's what's up. I so appreciate you guys listening. Now, just a little word of warning. Be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.